Warning, this podcast is rated effed up for profanity, sexual violence, and potentially disturbing material. If I were you, I'd turn back now. I wanted to start the recording with her yawning and I didn't get it in time. Oh, and then I thought I burped and I was like, oh no. No. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping it, that would get on. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to the Macabre Academy. You're here with your headmistresses. My name is Steffi, aka Nerdy Witch. Dex and Brandy. <laughs> you, Dex. I guy slow in the draw. Well, I, I didn't. Thought I she thought, was gonna go. Yeah, I thought she was gonna go, and I'm like, oh wait, do we have like a specific order now? We do this in. I, I wasn't sure. We gotta. We gotta practice this for next time. <laughs> yeah, we gotta work on it. <laughs> I'll just keep being trash. It's fine. <laughs> you're not trash. Okay. Well, you're the best kind of trash. Wasn't there like a right <laughs> t-shirt for that or I'm, something? Yeah, I'm the trash that like your mom picks up and is like, should you recycle this? But it's still trash. <laughs> She's a trash panda. <laughs> My life is a dumpster fire. It's fine. I want that cute little toy I sent you, the dumpster yes! fire. It's I so need it. Do you guys like peach things? Love peach. Yes. Yes. So I discovered these Jack Daniels Southern. Oh peach. yeah, they're amazing. They're very good. They're at Sam's or er, Sheets. Sheets. I want that. I don't have that. They're amazing. good. I got. Oh. They also have peach wine. Yeah, you brought that peach wine. That was good. That was really bomb. good. That was really my good. favorite wine. Sheets bitches all right three minutes in we're already derailed so let me yep let me redirect my life if i may <laughs> so i Never. well mm, i have been waiting to watch the waco documentary on netflix and at brandy's advice i have yet to watch this because i wanted to not ruin the podcast for this so let's have your thoughts because you you had some very strong opinions about this i hated it Ooh. 100% I hated it. Why? Because it didn't tell you anything. Like, well, the reviews on Rotten Tomato I did look at, and a lot of people said that it was slow to start, but it was very mm-hmm. sympathetic to both sides in this final sort of standoff situation. It was, but I think, in my opinion, and people are going to come at me for this, and I'm sorry, but like, I have an opinion. Well, that's why we have a podcast. The- You're supposed to, yes. your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the people in the final standoff that were left in the like compound we'll call it were children and women a lot of them and no See, sorry i don't know anything about this to begin with so you're gonna at least tell us how they wound up in the standoff to begin with because oh, it's isolated to the standoff on Netflix? Yeah, that's very isolated towards that, and you don't know the background. You don't know who they are, why they're there, what's going on. So... There's just crazy people in the desert shooting shit. Yeah, they're just crazy people in the middle of Texas. Who cares about them? You know. (laughs) I I mean, that's Texas. I mean, you're not wrong. You know Mike listens to our podcast, and he's from Texas. (laughs) I know! Sorry, Mike. (laughs) Um, He's very educated... On guns. Very educated. Hmm. Gee, I wonder why. why. He's from Texas. 
Sorry. So, um, there, and this is related, this is not a, a derail. There are these videos they have on YouTube where it's different experts who examine takes on real life things in different media forms okay mm -hmm. so you might have a real life doctor critiquing house and gray's anatomy oh yeah i love those they're hilarious so there was one where i think they ended up doing the waco netflix thing you were just talking about where a guy who was in a cult examines them Oh, we're going to have to get also, that link up on the social medias. You've got to send right, me that. I have to also, watch that. Uh, I'm not going to reveal any names for privacy, but I used to work with a girl who grew up in like a legitimate cult, like was on the news cult. <laughs> oh my God. Interesting. Like she actually had to be the one to be like, mom, can we please leave? <laughs> like we need to leave. Oh, <laughs> we wow. need to like go. We need to stop this. I could not imagine that. Some of my favorite cult documentaries are on Scientology. Because there was some oh, very yeah. famous actress that spoke out Clear against water. it. Yes. It was, it's mm -hmm. very interesting. But I'm, I, I don't want to talk about that because this is Waco. Yeah, right. so that it's could a be totally like different cult. Different kind of setup. Own, that mm -hmm. could be its own episode or couple. Oh, I, I, oh, don't worry. I love some cults. I'm so doing like, cults. I'm doing a cult. You better believe I'm doing Blackburn cult. That is coming up at some I point. Love me some cults. Oh, yeah. I seriously keep thinking she says Blackbird. It's okay. Well, Brandy, it's a brandy tastic episode. So you just you just take on over. You do your Are thing. Are you ready? Yes, you okay. do you. I'm ready. Let's so we're this. gonna start by defining what a cult is. Because not a lot of people know, like, the actual definition. Well, they you, just use it as, like, a bunch of crazy people. You also struggled with this definition when we were talking about the death goddess cults. So you looked this right. up. Right. Okay. So the definition is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed towards a particular figure or object. It can, it's a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Did I ever tell you that I thought Harry Potter was a cult? I believe it. <laughs> no. No, you don't know the story. We based our podcast off of Harry Potter. This is outsider looking in, right? Because I was not mm -hmm. on the Harry Potter train. But this might set right. up a little bit about why cults look weird to people on the outside. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely did not go to the book releases at Borders. No. Okay. Yeah. So Justine, in your weirdo. I was in Catholic school up until oh, so that's why. seventh grade. And then I started <laughs> eighth grade. Yeah. So I started in public school. And on my first day of public school, I was in the lunch line. And this little mousy girl comes up to me and she goes, are you a muggle? And I was like, what the fuck is a muggle? And I'm wearing all black, okay? I'm like, what the fuck's a muggle? And she goes, a non-magical being. And I'm like, then yes, I'm a fucking muggle. What the hell are you doing? Like, why are you talking to me? And she goes, oh, I take it you never read Harry Potter. And I'm like, what the fuck is Harry Potter? And she's like, oh no, it's this great world of wizards and we're all, we're all wizards. And I'm like, this is a fucking cult and I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> nothing to do with it because this, this strange girl is 
to asking me if I'm a fucking wizard. No. Now I'm all like house, you know, Ravenclaw. I love it because I want to go see all the movies and think uh-huh. over time. And then I actually read all the book series. But at the time, I didn't know shit about Harry Potter. And are you a muggle? No. Yes. What, what the fuck? What is the muggle? So it was strange. I stayed away from it for a very long time because I thought it was a cult. I love that. <laughs> I love it so much. So back to my definition. Okay. So it's regarded by others mm-hmm. as sinister or strange. The people in the cult don't see it as sinister. They don't see it as a bad thing. They see it as this is our religion. This is what we believe in. And everyone outside of it is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, are you a devil worshiper? What's going on? Mm-hmm. A lot of misconceptions. And they're just, exactly. You know, depending on how you, how you read into the definition of a cult, technically any religious group mm-hmm. could Every be a religious cult. group. Well, Every religious group, based on this definition, is a cult. Well, there's like there's surface knowledge, right? In any religion, surface knowledge, like everybody knows, like Jesus died mm-hmm. on the cross, or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then there's deeper meanings that you can extrapolate into your life and into your spirituality, and you have to be a part of that group and a part of that mm-hmm. culture to absorb those thoughts and things into your everyday lifestyle. So you don't exactly. see these things as, as wrong because technically I'm on the train for Hakate. So if somebody looks at me, I look like I'm part of a cult. Right. Yeah. But it means something to me. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So the group of people we're talking about were called the Branch Davidians. And first when I heard the Branch Davidians and their leader is named David Koresh, you're like, oh, fuck, this guy named his cult after himself? No, not really. There's a whole story behind that. But he's not that narcissistic at first. So, um, man who actually founded the Branch Davidians was named Victor Hutef. And he was an, a Bulgarian immigrant and Seventh-day Adventist. After he was basically, like, fucked over by the leaders of the Seventh-day Adventists for wanting to reform the church, he took any followers that were close to him and that followed him, and they moved near Waco, Texas in 1935. Those Seventh-day Adventists, they have some pretty extreme Orthodox mm-hmm. traditions. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So once they settled in Waco, he re- began to prepare his follower- followers for what he believed would be the return of Jesus. Hmm. They thought that the old church had given up this in favor of worldly pursuits. So, like, entertaining themselves with the newspaper or, or like, anything that, like, wasn't God-related was considered a worldly pursuit. So they cut themselves off, in a way. They cut themselves off. They lived out in the middle of nowhere by themselves. So this is a self-sufficient community. Exactly. So it can be isolated. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they lived in an extremely simple way and avoided most um, common ways of entertainment, like I said. So like no TV, no radio, none of that. They became self-sustaining and the group grew to sp- spread all across the country. Hutef died in 1955 and his 
wife Florence succeeded him. She continued in his attempts to discern the signs of the end time and said that April 22nd, 1959, was the dawn of the new Masonic age. So, in March of 1959, hundreds of believers gathered at the Waco Center, and when her prediction failed, because hello, the world didn't end, <laughs> Big shocker. and Jesus didn't come back, it led to splintering of the movement into several different fractions, which is why we have so many different versions of the Seventh-day Adventists now. So the ones that could be around here aren't the same as the ones that were in Waco. Even though they probably came from the same group, they splintered off and they said, yeah, she's dumb. She doesn't know what she's talking about. So in 1962, she announced that she had failed like what three years after failing she was like hey guys i failed i'm sorry like we all knew that we all knew that you dumb bitch no shit um banded her following like and sold the property that was known as mount carvel so the man who took over mount carmel was ben roden and he called the davidians to get off the dead rod and move to the living branch, which to me just means leave that bitch and come to me. And that helped him gain the control of Mount Carmel. And then he established the General Association of Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. And he called his people to a purer life and promised that Christ would return soon, only after all of the members reached a state of moral maturity. No one knows what the fuck that means. No, but it is a very good way to keep yourself in a place of power and uh, knowing of these these comings, but like leave it open. Because if, if at any point anyone questions him, oh, well, clearly some of you are just not morally mature enough. <laughs> like that's all he's got to do. Mm-hmm. And-, and like, fuck you, dude. Anyway, but he died in 1978. And the members were torn between allegiance to his wife, Lois, or his son, George. Lois found a friend in a young convert named Vernon Howell. Anyone want to guess who Vernon Howell becomes? Does he change his name? Mm-hmm. That David dude. Mm-hmm. Because Vernon's just a bad fucking name, I guess. Whatever. Anyway, when Lois died in 1986... She left George in control, but within a year, Vernon asserted his leadership and became head of the community at Mount Carmel. Vernon moved fast to assert his spiritual authority, and one of his very first acts was to adopt a new name. The name he chose to take was David Koresh. His name suggested that he was a spiritual heir of the biblical king David, and that he, like Koresh, which is Hebrew for Cyrus, the ancient Persian king, was a Masonic figure, but not the Messiah. It's common to see this, where people will say, I am, I am ordained by the gods because I, I can trace my lineage to the thing. So it's not uncommon to see people coming to power, changing their name so that they can assume divine right to do the things that they're going to do. And that helps Mm -hmm. avoid people questioning 
you know, I'd say it's it's too convenient. Like, oh, here you oh, are, out of nowhere, and you're just magically this descendant. But that's the way my brain thinks. Oh no, I agree completely. <laughs> like you're fucked up, rude. So Cyrus, which is what his last name is, is the only non-Jew to whom the title Messiah or Anointed One is given in Scripture. Did you know? That when Jesus was coming into his following, this is a time that was very tumultuous for the Jews, and they were actively looking for a Messiah. There were actually several prophets at that time that were on Mm -hmm. their soapboxes in the square saying, hey, I'm the savior of the Jews. Follow me, and I'm the Messiah. Yeah, Jesus was one of several of that time period there's documentations from the romans actually about that i did a little work on that for one of my uh classes in college it was very interesting because they were looking for a messiah masonic figure at that time so it wouldn't be weird for him to say you know for that connection to be made Mm -hmm. not at all and and some of these factions right that were like of the jewish faith will recognize these people as prophets even though they weren't considered a masonic figure so they're still giving some sort of um like title like acknowledgement that their words were coming from god even if they couldn't recognize them as a messiah okay so you must be a prophet i don't completely believe that you're a messiah but you're speaking some truth it's interesting yeah it's very interesting so He showed his new authority by taking several, quote, spiritual wives. So for him, that meant he was going to marry all of the women in the community when they were too young. Except they were fucking children. So. Well, there's spots in the Bible that will say you can take as many wives as you can comfortably keep. Mm-hmm. So if you can only comfortably keep one wife and not be, be beyond your means, then only take one. But if you're financially and physically able to, t- to care for more than one wife, you may have mm-hmm. more than one wife. So it's very easy okay. to take those scriptures out of context. Right. So... In 1989, he declared that he is the perfect mate for all of the female members. Mm. And that's when he declared that all the other men in the community must be celibate. And he was the only male that was allowed to have sex ever. Look at that freaking player. Right? Like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) I wonder if he is, like, the only man to, like, cog block just an entire crowd of people. Like, just an entire, like, community just be like, "Mm, sorry, you can't have sex with your wife. You can still legally be married, but you can't have sex with her. Have a nice life. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) So, he also confided in the Davidians that his intention was to create a new lineage of holy children. David believed that these kids would rule the world one day. And his interpretation of the Bible rested largely on identifying himself with the Lamb of God, which, like, isn't that Jesus? Pretty much. 
Okay, cool. So, like, you're not Jesus, but you are Jesus. Make up your mind here, dude. So. He's Christ-like. Um, yeah, whatever. So, the way he distinguished between himself and Jesus was by suggesting that the Lamb's role was to set loose the seven seals and interpret the scroll mentioned in Revelation 5-2. The seven seals would bring forth the end-time revelation of Christ. Do we know what the seven seals are? Anyone? I should know this. I was going to say, maybe Steph, because she's smart. It's okay, I have them all written. Oh, thank you. Yes. I was actually going to say, like, I don't know what they are, and if you don't have them written down, and we have to Google this shit. Oh, no, I have them all written down, but I thought Steph would know. You know what? I know. Yeah. I know I've heard them, but because I'm put on the spot, I can't recall it. So if you don't list them and give me, like, a day, it's going to, like, pop in my head when I'm in the shower. I'm going to be like. I mean, that's fine. I'm going to list them, and then if you know more about them, you can be like, hey, that's that. Oh, I love you for that. Thank you. I know. (laughs) So the seals make an appearance in Revelation 6, 1 through 17, and in Revelation 8, 1 through 5. It's when John sees the scroll in heaven, and that no being except the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, can open. John watches as God opens the seals one by one to unroll the scroll. So, the first seal is in Revelation 6-2, and this seal introduces the Antichrist onto the scene as a rider of a white horse. The rider wears a crown and will deceive many with talks of peace, but will rage war against the saints. So basically, he's just going to trick everyone and be like, ha, 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 fuck you, eat dicks and die. There's a lot of lore about the Antichrist. Even Nostradamus had, like, predicted an Antichrist. I might not know the seals explicitly, mm-hmm. but I do know, like, the writers of the uh, the apocalypse and these hallmarks that you see. And those are actually things going on in our lives right now. So I have people that are like, there. yeah. All right, you people do are you. like, okay, so this is real. Yes. So yes. the second seal is, it shows up in 6-4. And it's basically, despite the Antichrist's promise of peace, warfare will break out after the seal is broken. And a red rider on a horse slays a bunch of people. So World War One. Now, that war could be interpreted a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. right? Like, some, like for Manson, it was a race war. Exactly. Which is very similar to, again, what's going on now. But for other people, it was like a physical war like World War Mm -hmm. II, and Hitler Hitler was the Antichrist. So they were using, like, the world wars and stuff like that as their signs. Well, I mean, that does make sense, since Christ was the leader of the Jews, and Hitler was the... Like, murderer of the Jews is what she's, like, but worse than slayer. There you go. I feel like murder is not strong enough. It's it's genocide. Slayer. Obliterator. Those work. Yeah. So the third seal, so we had a white horse, a red horse. Now with the third seal, we have a black horse. And this rider on a black horse will spread famine throughout the earth. And whoever is left after the war. Death and war. Will have to survive by bare means. Basically no food, no water. Good fucking luck. 
and that that's a very dystopian view of the future mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly and then the fourth seal oh the third seal is shown in six five if you want to look it up the fourth seal is in six seven through eight and it says that death will ride on a pale horse and kill one-fourth of the earth's population some people had attributed attributed the events of the two the second through fourth seals to the great wars the famine and bubonic plague which wiped out portions of europe in the 14th century mm -hmm. the fifth seal is found in six nine and this one says the martyred will ask god how long until he judges the earth they're told just a little while longer and given a white robe so everyone left will be standing there in white robes waiting for judge to God though. Ugh, God to judge them. Mm -hmm. And then the sixth seal, which is found in 612 through 14. In this seal, catastrophic natural events take place from a rattling earthquake, the sun turning black, the moon turning blood red, and mountains and oceans disappearing. So basically the world just goes away. And then in the seventh seal, it's found in 8.1. Silence fills the heavens, reminiscent of the Sabbath day of rest God took on the seventh day after creation. A brief pause occurs before the following judgments. So this is what the community believed in, and they felt that all of these seals were happening, and they were opening, and it was going to be the end of day soon. And honestly, throughout the attack, if this is what they believed in, this is what they were going through. In Western... 100%. Like Western traditions, right? Like Christianity, mm -hmm. Judaism, uh, Islam, those kind of traditions. Um, right. Not a critique, but there's a very finalistic moment in human history and in, in the earth, which is weird mm -hmm. because this is something that only can happen in Western cultures. So that's where we're right. getting these kind of cults. Because in Eastern cultures, the world is cyclical. So you're going to have these mm -hmm. highs and these lows. Things are going to be destroyed to be created. So when you're seeing these signs of destruction, you know that a rebirth is coming. But when you're looking right. at it through a Western lens, it's very definitive. It's fatalistic. It stops. Mm -hmm. Everything stops. I, I, I guess that's why I have a hard time with Western traditions myself because I see cycles, not definitive ends. So, right, yeah. no, because- That's very scary. Even like, yeah, and even in our history, we haven't seen a definitive end. There's always been cycles. There's always been ups and downs in the world, no matter what, nothing has ended. So for me, it's hard to see, for me to believe this and be like, oh, well, one day everything's just gonna end and then someone's gonna come back and judge us all. Well, like, science. No. Science will back Science you up, also. right? The, the, the universe goes in cycles too. They're scientifically documenting mm -hmm. these destructions for birth of stars and stuff. Exactly. And the universe was what, a, a bang, and now it's expanding out even farther and it's still going. Now, our world will end at one point because the sun will encompass the earth, but that doesn't mean life isn't sustained somewhere else in the universe. So even science- exactly. The science. Yeah, science. <laughs> it's going to back you up on that one. I love me some science, even though I suck at the science. It's okay. I love science. Yeah, STEM ladies. We need to do more STEM projects. STEM. STEM. <laughs> okay. So, 
that's what they believed in. This is what David Koresh is teaching them. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to get into why the police got involved, why the government got involved, all of that. Mm -hmm. So the local police got involved with the Davidians because most of David's wives were young teenagers. And when young teenagers keep getting pregnant by the same person, or if they keep getting pregnant and refusing to say who the father is, and they're all coming from the same community, what are the police going to wonder? Who the fuck is this? And is it that old guy living in there? Like, that's fucked up. Especially if, what, you're walking into a community and saying, like, all right, who's getting busy? And all the men are like, we're not allowed to get busy. Only one man Mm -hmm. is allowed to get busy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, the, um, this caused the community to be accused of child abuse. Even though it's been said that David would, he would spank his children, but I don't think it was, the way it was worded wasn't a brutal beating. It was a, if you're a young child and you're doing something wrong, exactly like a quick spank on the butt, that's it. I know. Well, no, like I'm 33 years old, and if I still hear a belt snap my butt pole puckers, Oh, 100%. The, the, the fear is real. <laughs> 100%. Like, my mom just has to give me that look at 25, and I know I'm done. I'm just like, okay, mom, I'm sorry. Yeah, but I wasn't abused in that way when I was a kid. It was just standard discipline. You act up, you got the belt. Exactly. You know, it wasn't exactly excessive. You know, some, no. But how did somebody from the community notice this, though? Because if they're isolated, how are they seeing these young girls... With baby we get bed. into it. Oh, great. Oh, well, they have to go to the hospital and stuff for, like, doctor's appointments. Oh, okay. Or if something that's, goes on, That's kind of what I figured. So, that, we so like, this, more of it. these were teenagers that were, like, going and pregnant, like, under 18. Yes. Well, then, that's where, that's where the abuse comes in, like, not, not physical right, but abuse. there were more, there were more, like, claims and everything going forward i get into it okay so he was known in the community to be very kind and gentle with his young children and any of the young children that were in there he only felt it's been said by ex-members that he only felt an adult should ever be hit in the face and like children only ever deserved um they only got whipped on the butt that's fleshy it can, it can absorb impact. That's what a behind exactly. is designed to do. So the child abuse claims came from an ex-member who was fighting for custody of his daughter after the mother of the child refused to leave with the father. So the father left the community and said, I want to take you and my daughter with me. She said, no, we're staying. You can leave. So then he left and tried to get custody of the child and in order to get custody of the child he made the child abuse claims so this along with um koresh launching a retail gun business um yeah so they would buy guns legally and then they would go to gun shows they would go to ranges they would go wherever and they would sell these guns So this becomes an issue later because the government felt that they were like changing the guns and turning them from like a manual semi-automatic. 
Modifying them. Modify. Changing, same thing. Thank you. I appreciate you. It doesn't sound like it. The tone is so <laughs> crass. <laughs> that was... I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> because did you see my face trying to think of the word and I couldn't think of it? And I was like, fuck, one of you is going to say it. Well, like, I, I was pretty certain you meant modifying, but then I was like, I need an example because there's a lot of different things that you can do to guns. And I don't want to assume she just means upgrading the things. <laughs> Basically upgrading the things. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> this got the ATF um, involved. The ATF is the Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms Agency. And the federal government interested in him as well. Was, was the, the NRA around at this time? I don't know. It was in the 90s. Yes. Sure. <clears throat> so the investigators worried that the Davidians would attack their neighbors or the town in the, pro- in the process of fulfilling an end-time scenario, even though that's not even close to what was going on because their neighbors and the town said that they never had any issues with David Koresh or any of the Davidians. Well, still. They just basically sat there alone. I, I, feel, like, I feel like this was a, holy crap, we have this, this small town of, of people with these, I can't think of the world, like well, extreme looks- religious beliefs, and now mm-hmm. they all have guns. We need to come up with right. a way to, to stop, put an end to this. <laughs> just to- Right. So they were just fishing, basically. Well, the, when any culture builds an armory and amasses firearms in, in, in huge quantities, that, that causes mm-hmm. alarm. Like, right. What are you going to do so- with all those guns? It looks like you're, you're mm-hmm. about to ready to do some sort of guerrilla campaign bullshit. <laughs> so... The ATF sent in undercover agents to watch the compound and see if there was any illegal activity going on. In early 1993, so it was going on in 1993, so probably NRA, the agents in Texas requested a search warrant for Mount Carmel. But being the dumb fucks that they were, and they were dumb fucks, the agents decided that a sneak attack would be a better way to serve the warrant than just going up to knock on the door of the compound. Why? Like, they came in with trucks and guns, <laughs> and they were just like, we're going to serve this warrant. Hi. Like, just, hi, can we, we need to serve this warrant. Okay, come on in, guys. What the, what the fuck, guys? Why? Why? Excessive use of force is coming to exactly. mind. Exactly. 100% this entire time. So they were planning for a forced entry because they didn't think that Koresh would allow them inside. Well, I was going to say, that was kind of my thought on it. Like, rather than worry about dealing with doing it nice and having him be like, no, you're not coming in here and giving them whatever reason, they probably just figured, you know what? We're just going to skip that step and we're going to full force this bitch. (laughs) Well, they think they had the illusion of surprise. Oh, they definitely. I, I, I just think Except it. Not. I just think it was a, a forced power play. Yes, it was so just to they, show them you might have your little armory started, but we are still bigger and tougher than you are. Yes, but they actually did think that they had the power, uh, the power of surprise, but they didn't. So it's both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because one of the not colonists, 
the cult people, whatever you want to call them. Um, the, cult members? The Davidians, duh. Davidians, duh. High logic brain work, thanks. So anyway, one of the Davidians worked um, with the U.S. Post Office, and on his way home, someone had stopped and asked him from, like, the local news or some camera crew was like, hey, do you know the way to Mount Carmel? And he goes, yeah, it's that way. Why? What's up? They were like, oh, the ATF's going to serve a warrant. So then he took a faster way home and warned them. So David Koresh knew what the fuck was coming. Like, you're a dumb fucks. Anyway, don't let the, day, the local news what you're, know what you're doing. Don't be dumb. So the warrant was for illegal possessions of firearms and explosives. When the agents attempted to penetrate the complex, Gunfire erupted, and this started the extensive battle. The battle left four ATF agents dead and 15 wounded. Who fired first? That's the controversy. Ooh. Because the ATF claims that the Davidians fire first. The Davidians claimed that the ATF fired first. And because the compound burned down in the final struggle... There's no evidence to show if the bullets went in or out first. Even though when the Davidians' lawyer came in, they said that the bullets came in first. You could tell by the wooden door. There's a quote from the Revolutionary War that my aunt used to quiz me on because she used to think you should know famous quotes and how to finish them. And this was at the Revolutionary War, so they're standing off and they're trying to decide they don't want to instigate the fight, right? Mm-hmm. But they say to the, the troops, I'm going to pause and see if you know what it is. Don't shoot until you see the, the fire, the flames? The whites of their eyes. Oh. That way there's no... Oh, you know what? I should have known that because I've heard that before, but I wasn't paying attention because I keep hearing music coming through the headphones. <laughs> Do you have something open in your From back where? browser or like Facebook minimize? No, like it sounds like somebody's phone's going off or somebody's playing an organ. Weird. Yeah. I don't have an organ. So like, hi, um, Salman, if bitch. you catch that, it's not me this time. It's Justine. You don't, you don't know that. Thanks. You could still have an EVP on this mic this turn. That- and I'm the only one that can hear it. <laughs> Shut the Actually, that was the best EVP gotten by the original Ghost Hunter series was this organ in this old tavern thing. On oh, Okay, so you were good. both at my house today. I don't have a piano. I don't either. If anything, it's going to be the hip-hop music from the community across the street for me, like the people. Like, it would not be organ music that you hear. I'm like weirdly yeah, creeped out now because of ghost hunters. And, and I know we've gotten it's EVPs fine. on this show before. They're on our Patreon, by the way. It's fine. I just moved into a new apartment. If this one is haunted too, I'm just going to burn everything to the ground. No, I'm going to come over anyway. and play my new Ouija board with you when it comes in. True life. Yeah. So anyway, back to the story. Oh, look at her being on so, task. <laughs> listen, I really like this one. So. The battle left four ATF agents dead and 15 wounded. Six of the Branch Davidians died, and a lot more were wounded or injured, but no one really knows how many because they didn't get any help. They didn't get any medical care, they didn't get any medical treatment, and they weren't allowed to bury their dead. What the fuck? Yeah. So... 
David was injured in this fight as well. We just, there's like controversies on how badly injured. So in the Netflix documentary, it was in his complete side. And in my own personal opinion, if you were shot in the side as badly as they showed, you would not last 51 days. And that's how long this motherfucker lasted. Because that's when this ended. It was a 51 fucking day standoff. What if he, they missed vital organs, though? It is possible to receive a serious gunshot wound and avoid major arteries yeah. and organs. With as, as, no medical treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Like as long as if you had, as long as you had someone there that had enough knowledge, basic first aid. If it was like a clean through and through, and it didn't hit any vital organs or anything, all you have to do is stop that bleeding, and you could last for fifty-one days. What they should have used, especially if he has food and water at hand. Oh, he doesn't. So anyway, my issue with the Netflix was that it made it look so bad. Like, the way this wound looked, and I know it was for dramatics. Yeah. But people are taking that on face value. I mean, if you really want to knock somebody out, you want to use a certain caliber gun or even a buckshot, like, bullet mm-hmm. um, to take somebody out. But if they were dumb and they only wanted to show a display of power and use smaller caliber bullets or something that was more precise, you're going to get that clean wound mm-hmm. that Dex was talking about. Probably. But I still hated that. So, after 45 minutes of the shooting, the ATF stopped and withdrew. At this point, a ceasefire was negotiated over the phone. The operation had over 100 agents and was one of the largest mounted by the Bureau and was the most fatal at this time. Then, because the ATF fucked up, their big brother, the FBI, showed up. I don't like the FBI. They kind of seem like assholes. So, the FBI took over after the ATF failed. The standoff stretched over seven weeks. The negotiations were unsuccessful because the Davidians had enough food and water and, like, other necessities. So they ran out of water because the ATF shot up their water, like, holders. Their water tower? They didn't have a water tower. Maybe water it was more barrels. like a water barrel. Yeah, but they were like gallons upon gallons upon yeah, gallons. Yeah, you like can buy them that big. I would never live in the wilderness anyway. Oh, you. So, uh, my husband, when we buy a house, my husband plans on buying a couple just to have water reserves just in case. You guys are smart people. I don't drink water. So, anyway, they had enough food and other necessities stockpiled to last them years. That means that they had, like, MREs and, like, canned goods. They had refrigerated foods for a little bit, but that goes away. On April 18th, the day before the standoff ends, the U.S. Attorney General at the time, Janet Reno, approved the tear gas assaults. Now, this is my biggest problem with this whole thing and with everything going on in the world today. Because let's just take a second. What's going on in the U.S. that they're using tear gas for right now? The protests. Yeah. Guess what is considered a chemical weapon and was banned by the Geneva Convention? Tear gas. Tear gas. Tear gas. They banned it in war, but they said, you know what? 
you're allowed it for riot control by agents of law enforcement. Tell me why. If China attacked us today, we would not be allowed to tear gas them. But we can tear gas our own fucking citizens because we don't agree with them. Not okay. Not okay. I mean, you're raising a very valid point, especially if it is deemed chemical warfare and frowned upon. Mm -hmm. It's frowned upon in times of war, but they left it alone for um, countries to say, okay, well, our riots are out of control. So they used this in the race riots right before Waco in L.A. during this time in the early 90s. And during that, it basically was proven to be extremely flammable. Oh, no. So going into all of this, the government knew that tear gas that they were going to use on these people was extremely flammable. And to this day, they're using extremely flammable tear gas on our people. Not cool, dude. Not fucking cool. Did you witches see the headshot of me, Nerdy Witch, done by Tussie Tot? This lady is amazing. Pop on over to patreon.com slash Tussie Tot. That's T-U-S-S-Y-T-O-T. Not only does she specialize in the creation of character design and graphics, but she also makes emotes as well. While implementing a traditional style into her artwork, Tuss can work with humans, animals, and more. My favorite is what she does with the furries. She is offering commissions across the board as well as actual merchandise including stickers, shirts, and prints. Her Discord is also super fun, including a nightly stream of those headshot creations. Links will be in the descriptions below, and stay tuned to our social medias for an exclusive Macabre Academy Tussie Tot design. Anyway. I got my off point. my little rant. I needed to get on my soapbox. Off my little rant. Fuck that shit. So their logic behind this is that if they use the tear gas, they wouldn't have to use more lethal weapons. Because you can so survive. If I use tear gas, yes. Yeah, sure. Whatever. You can survive. You're going to be scarred. It can leave chemical burns. It can cause blindness. You could die if exposed to it for too long. On April 19th at 6 a.m., the Davidians were informed of the imminent attack and asked to surrender. The Davidians said, fuck you. And after a few minutes, two FBI combat vehicles began inserting tear gas into the building. They also had Bradley tanks that fired tear gas, um, like canisters into the building, but, The Davidians were prepared for that shit. They had gas masks. 
now you can't fit a gas mask to fit a child. And if you don't have the proper gas mask fitting, it's not going to fit a smaller woman's face. So this was fine for the men, but all those children. You know, approximately how many children were. Oh, yeah, I get into that. Okay. There's a whole bunch. I have a whole timeline and victims and everything. So by 1140 in the morning, so this started at 6 a.m., and by 1140, the last of almost 100 tear gas canisters were fired into that compound. Jesus. Uh, Yeah. Bit of an overkill? Sure, we'll go with that. After 12, a fire erupted at three places around the compound. Nine Davidians fled. Koresh and 80 of his followers died in this second assault. 22 of those victims were children. So 22 children died. Ages what to what? Mm, I don't know. Wait, where was my warning? (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh my God, why can't you give me a trigger warning and you warned me hours ago, but you didn't tell me right before on the podcast. (gasps) Brandon, we need to work on your trigger warnings. Guys, I'm really bad. Right, right Right after you like said how many children died, I sat there and I was like, Oh, hey, that's that thing she mentioned earlier. (laughs) I was like, hey, she said she was going to talk about this. Oh, my God. 22 children. That sounds like the pit of toddlers and mangala in my brain. Oh, so. Oh, my God. 80 people died. And out of those 80, 22 were kids. That's a fucking lot. You're telling me that tear gas was needed for that? For 60 adults, you needed 100 canisters of tear gas. A little bit of an overkill. Wait, hold on. How many people lived in, like, this commune? Oh, a lot. A lot left. I have a whole timeline of when they leave, but a lot of them left in this 51 days or before. Nine people escaped. 80 died. Technically 81 if we're counting Koresh. So 81 people died. Nine people left. The FBI and the Justice Departments maintained, to this day, that the Davidians started the fire. They claim to have eyewitness accounts and forensic data that proves this. Now, I want to know who was an eyewitness inside the compound that would say, oh yeah, we started that. I don't believe it. I'll give you that there was forensic data, whatever, like heat, like thermal cam- cameras or whatever, but I don't give you eyewitness accounts. Um, the F- so I could totally believe that because the guy I talked about earlier that did the YouTube video that had been in a cult, he gets into how a lot of cult leaders will mm-hmm. very specifically do things and have like these little tricks to kind of um, almost like brainwash you. Oh and yeah, you 100%. have to be. So it it could make sense if somebody who was a person who had been brainwashed later, after escaping from this and breaking away from some of that brainwashing, was like, yeah, oh yeah, we did, we set the fire. Yeah, whistleblowers yeah, are a thing. Would- Yeah, but here's my thing. Like, all of these people were basically up for murder charges. So 
could it have been, oh, we're going to charge you with murder of those four ATF agents, even if you didn't have a gun. You're charged with murder because you were in that compound. Guilty by association is what you're saying. Right, but if you tell me that you started that fire, I'll just drop that charge. That could be true, too. So, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just have a hard time believing it. You're saying there's an interrogation tactic that's skewing the truth to get what they want. Right, is what I... Maybe that's just me being a conspiracy theorist. No, you've se- I've seen I this see in police cases yeah. before where they mm-hmm. will interrogate somebody and be like, no, that's not what happened. Why don't you try again so you can avoid being in trouble? You know, they mm-hmm. will keep going until they get the version of truth that suits their needs. Right. And out of exactly. fear, a person will falsely confess. Right. Or to try and get like a lesser charge. Mm hmm. Right, and I think that's just something that could have happened. Yeah. It's in the realm of possibility. Exactly. So now we're going to do the timeline. Okay. So this is the timeline of the 51-day siege, attack, hostage situation, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Bullshit. February- yeah, bullshit, basically. Like, like On- I didn't know a lot about, like, about Waco. I just knew it, it involved some some people in the desert and a standoff with mm-hmm. police. Like, it was a cult standoff. I don't know. But this all just seemed like one giant dumb fuckery shit show that could have four different ways been avoided. Like, it was all unnecessary. So, hindsight's 2020, ladies. Exactly. So, on February 28th, the ATF attacks the Davidians. We already covered that. On March 1st, the ATF surrendered the command to the FBI. The FBI began negotiations right away, and they get 10 kids released. Now, any of the kids that get released are not David Koresh's children. The 22 that died in the fire are all David Koresh's children. He would not let any of his biological children leave that compound. Not to save them. Mm -hmm. Because he thought that... They were the holiest ones, and they needed to be saved. And he thought staying in the compound would save them. God would save them from the ATF fire and guns? Well, he didn't and... know about the fire, but he thought that he could protect I them meant gun with fire. God on his side. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. And Did, then did on... David Koresh actually believe all this stuff? Like, legit? He wasn't, like, yes. playing a role? I mean, if he was playing a role, he was really fucking good at it. Ego can yeah, get guess, in the way. Yeah, he didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, because, I mean, he was full-blown crazy. Okay. So, Well, Koresh then it would kind of make sense that, like, if if he... There's a reason I ask, because if he's just one of those cult leaders that are just doing it for the power and to get something out of people or get people to do his bidding, mm-hmm. then... um. I lost my train of thought. Have you ladies ever seen the Blues Brothers? Yes. No. In the Blues Brothers, okay, they do some crazy ass shit. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin the plot of the movie for you. But the entire time that they're getting into these shenanigans accidentally, because they believe they're on a divine a divine quest from God to do the thing. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have when you place that quest or your mission or your ego into this higher powers 
plan that you're interpreting, common sense and logical self-preserving fear goes out mm-hmm. the window. So that's oh, yeah. that might be that kind of crazy that he was. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of what I was I was getting at because I remember now. So if he legitimately believed all these religious beliefs, then it makes sense he would want to stay in the compound and think that this is part of the end times and he has mm-hmm. to try and protect his children. God so that makes him. sense. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah. So on March 2nd, Koresh promised the FBI that he would surrender if they would televise a video message that he recorded. The FBI agreed, and it was broadcast on the Christian Broadcasting Network, which, like, I don't even know what that is, but okay. you have a transcript? No. I'm sure we could find the video on YouTube. I want to hear what his final message was. Oh, this isn't his final message. Oh. He had several? Don't worry. Okay. Oh, he's, yes. So, I'm sure I can find it, and I will find it and put it up for you. But obviously, after they broadcast this message, he went back back on his word. Duh. And claimed that God was telling him not to give up yet. So then on March 7th, Koresh tells the FBI that all of the kids that are left inside the compound are his biological children and are not going to come out. So that's the 22 children. On March 9th, the FBI cut the electricity for the first time. They would eventually turn it back on after more promises from Koresh. So with them cutting the electricity, this caused the compound to lose all of the milk, all of the stuff in their fridge and freezer. So this depleted a lot of their supplies. So then on the 12th of March, the FBI decided to cut off the electricity permanently because they were trying to pressure the Davidians out. This is where the FBI showed their true colors and began psychological warfare because they would shine like football stadium lights into the compound at all times and use loud, quote, music to make them crack. The music was loud noises that were sounds of animals being killed or children crying or people being tortured. Sometimes it was just people laughing around the clock to try to fuck with the compound and get them to come outside. They're treating them like terrorists. Exactly. And this was 12 days in. This goes on for 51 days. So on March 19th, the FBI negotiators managed to convince Koresh to let eight women and two men leave. So that's 10 more people that left. So right now we're up to 20 people that left. They continued the psychological warfare. On April 5th, Koresh promises to give up after observing Passover, and the FBI gives them an eight-day grace period, saying, okay, you can observe Passover, and then after that, you're coming out. On April 12th, the FBI finally figures out that Koresh will go against any and all deals that he makes with them. Took them this fucking long. I was going to say, like... Like this fucking long? Good job, guys. So this is also when they decide to write to Janet Reno for permission to use tear gas. At first, she denied them because she thought, no, that's fucking wrong. There's women and children in there. Why are we tear gassing them? But after talking to the president 
anyone know who the president was then? What year was it? In 93? Google. I was hoping one of you two would know. I don't follow presidents. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm like bouncing between two. Who are you bouncing between? Um, either George Bush Sr. or Clinton. That's exactly who's listed for 1993. It seems Both like it. Yeah. On presidents oh, of the United States. does it surprise States. us at all? Huh? Does it surprise us at all that the president talked her into letting them use it? Yeah, because Bill Clinton, it was a transitional year. So it depends on what month okay. you're on. April. March. April. So it would have been senior then. Because the <laughs> elections are in November. Dumbass. Okay. Yeah. So, dumbass. So, on April 18th, the FBI prepared to enter the compound and make the arrest of David Crash by force. They get the tear gas plan approved by the president. And on April 19th was the last day of the assault. The FBI decides to storm the complex. They inform David Koresh through the loudspeaker that they were using as psychological warfare. They stopped it to say, hey, David, come out. You're under arrest. And then afterwards, they start injecting the tear gas into the building. The FBI injected the bunker. So the bunker is really a school bus that the Davidians had buried in the ground. They used it it was their idea of like a bomb shelter. Mm. Okay. So they also had a big walk-in cooler, which I picture like the one in bakery or the one in meat mm-hmm. that obviously wasn't cold anymore because it had no electric. So the oh, women- Oh, that thing probably smelled really bad. Oh, a hundred percent. But the women and children, most of them were in that cooler with um, wet rags up against the seams in the door so that no tear gas could come in. Some of the women were in this um, school bus that was buried underground. The FBI injected the bunkers where the women and children were. Steph, I'm sorry, trigger warning, hi, for almost two hours straight. The hell? Don't you need just one? Why the fuck do you need to do that for two hours? So these women and children were inhaling tear gas for two hours they had to know that would have killed them they had to have known they knew they did not care and you cannot tell me that they did not that was not in their fucking phone call when they asked for permission hey we're gonna do this for two hours straight and kill these fuckers Mm -mm. oh no because that was janet's biggest thing janet reno she was like but there's children in there right that'll hurt the kids and they were like no it's not gonna hurt the kids we're gonna get the kids out (laughs) they lied they knew the children were in there. They knew it would hurt the children, and they knew that was their plan. Did they take badges for this? They better have taken badges for this. I would have, oof. No. The FBI was found not in the wrong at all. By who? The fucking government. They did trials. Fuck me. And literally all because this little religious commune in Texas did nothing. Just go arrest that fucker for being a pedophile and call it a day. What's all this shit? It's it's literally not even like, oh, they specifically started an armory to take over the government or terrorize a small town. They literally did fuck all. And because ATF Mm -hmm. had to try and have the bigger dick, 
Mm-hmm. So none of the guns were at the compound that the ATF thought were there. No, no. Because no, no. Twenty-two children died, listen, and the guns weren't even listen, fucking there. Listen. Oh. They had guns, but not the ones that were modified, like the ATF said, because they had taken any guns that they had accumulated legally to a gun show to sell days before the ATF was even there, or the day before. Where was their intel? There would have their been... intel was there, and the air, the, their intel told them that there was nothing going on, but the ATF said, you know what, fuck that. Because the ATF had just fucked up maybe like three, four months before really bad, and they were trying to use Waco to come back and be like, look, we're not fuck-ups. We're not garbage. And look no, what happened. no, you're... You're worse fuck-ups than we thought. Yeah. So, the kids' faces were too small for the gas masks to fit, so the women put sopping wet rags on their face to try to block the tear gas. They put rags in the cracks of the doors. They took what the gas masks they had and they tightened them as close to the kids' faces as they could, but the children suffered the burning of the gas. So at some point, a fire broke out in the compound, and um, basically the tear gas was all in there. A fire breaks out because they had taken away their electric and their gas for heating. So they had kerosene heaters that was heating their compound. So you're injecting a flammable gas into a compound that is using kerosene heaters. What do you expect to happen? A fire is going to break out. It's going to happen. So after the fire broke out, the FBI found that they were not responsible for starting the fires, even though it was proven that the tear gas was highly flammable and they refused, they were forced to use kerosene heaters. So now we're going to go into the victims and their ages, okay? Are you ready for this? All of the kids are at the end, so you have a little bit. Okay. I should have been drinking, is what I should have been doing. I got water in my cup uh, today. I'm sorry. It's okay. So the first victim was David Koresh, and he was only 33 years old. Mary Jean Borst was 49. Pablo Cohen was 38. Yvette Fagan was 34. Lisa Gent was 26. Peter Gent was 24. Diana Henry, 28. Paulina Henry, 24. Philip Henry, 22. Stephen Henry, 26. And then Zilla Henry was 55. Rachel Howe was 23. Sherry Lynn Howe was 23. David Michael Jones was 30. Perry Jones was an unknown age but he was older because he was um, Rachel Howe and Sherry Howe's father. Nicole Elizabeth Little was 24. Jeffrey Little was 32. Douglas Wayne Martin was 42. Juliet Santoyo Martinez was 30. Jillian Matthews was unknown. Allison Bernadette Monbelli was 31. Rosemary Morrison was 29. Teresa Norberga was 48. Judy Snyder was 41. Steve Snyder was 48. 
Michael Schroeder was 29. Lorraine B. Silva was 40. Floresita Shobi was 34. Gott Kahiro Shobi was 35. Stanley Silva was an unknown. Doris Vega was unknown. Margarita Joanne Vega was 47. Neil Vega was 37. Jaden Carnwell Wendell was unknown. And then Mark H. Wendell was unknown. Now we're going into the children. Okay, so Dayland Gent was three. Vanessa Henry was 19. Cyrus Howe was eight. Star Howell was six. Michael Jones was, no, Michelle Jones was 18. Serenity C. Jones was four. Bobby Lane Koresh was 16 months old. Lisa Martin was 13. Sheila Martin was 15. Abigail Martinez was 11. Audrey Martinez was 13. Crystal Martinez was three. Isaiah Martin Martinez was four. Joseph Martinez was eight. Melissa Morrison was six. Mayana Schneider was two. Asia Summers was 17. Startle Summer was one. Hollywood Silva was unknown. Rachel Silva was 13. The survivors were Rinos Avram, who was 29. Jamie Castillo was 24. Graham Leonard Craddock was 31. Clive Joseph Doyle was 52. Misty Ferguson was 17. Derek Lloyd was 37. Ruth Ellen Ottman was 29. David Thibodeau was 24. And Marjorie Thomas was 30. So I have some 911 calls from the first attack. You know, I, I'm, I'm struggling because Yins were playing with my three-year-old today. I know. You guys are playing with Evie. Chasing mm-hmm. around, we were on a playground, and all that, all that shit. And she's she's two and a half. Mm-hmm. And I now and all of these children. Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna throw up because all I can think of is her inhaling burning tear gas. I know. Ugh, it's awful. It, mm. And this is why I have such a problem with it's 2020. We're still using tear gas. We didn't learn our lesson. Mm. It's almost like these 22 children died in vain. We learned nothing. We need to start learning from our actions. I think, I think you know now a lot what I was experiencing when we were talking about so well, or when I was sitting here with Mangala. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you've done hours of research. Oh, yeah. So you're living these people's stories and I can hear that in your voice as you're talking about it it's it's hitting you in a very profound way and this is why with all the protests going on I was going off you don't fucking tear gas people you don't do it Mm -hmm. if it's not okay in war it's not okay at any time they banned it for a fucking reason our government killed 22 children and got away with it Mm. and now we're tear gassing all of these protesters for what what is it doing what good is that doing is there my brain wouldn't immediately go to what are other countries doing to control 
populations, if they're not using tear gas, what are, what are like, what could we learn from another country? I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but there's got to be another way. Yeah. It sounds like there's a cause here to be had. And if there's a way that we can support this, I want to do it. Right. Like we need to figure out a way because I mean, I don't think that tear gassing or even like rubber bullets. I don't think that's a solution. What one lady lost it's her not, eye with a rubber bullet. Yeah, like it's not less deadly. Like yeah, you might not die, but you could get chemical burns on your skin. If you inhale it and you have asthma, you could die. You could die. Well, with everything that is going on right now, we, there are starting to be um, a lot more talks, a lot more laws being fa- passed to change a lot of these types of things and, right. and ban a lot of these things. So so that is something that, that could come out of all this. But she raised mm-hmm. a good point. We learned this lesson, what, in the fucking 90s? It is now 93. over well, yeah, two like, decades I, I later. That. We, never, we never learn our lesson. Clearly. Mm. So... You want to listen to the 911 calls? And by listen, I mean me read them to you. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So this is the call between 911 and David Koresh. So it starts 911, Koresh. Hello? Yes. This is David Koresh. This is who, sir? Shut the fuck up, Justine. <laughs> Do you want me to send it to Steph and she can no. just read his part? Oh my god. <laughs> you can't do a deep man voice and it's so funny and cute. What did you write? Okay, fine. Fuck you. Okay, so anyway, this is David Koresh. This is who, sir? David Koresh, Mount Carmel Center. We're being shot up out here. Okay, where are you? Where am I? I'm at Mount Carmel Center. Okay, hang on just a second. All right. This is Lynch. Hey, Lynch. Yeah. This is David Koresh. Okay, David. And then it kind of like trails off and then it comes back and it says, it starts with Koresh going, the notorious? What'd you go and do that for? You brought a bunch of guys out here? And then after a while, David begins to preach the Bible. Koresh starts with, there are seven seals. Lynch goes, all right, David. And just kind of gives up on him because during your 911 call, you're preaching the motherfucking Bible. Calm your goddamn shit, David. You're being shot at. I mean, it might not be the best way to try and get help. (laughs) You're opening the seals. Stop your shit. (laughs) Right? Like, anyway. So then, Wayne Martin's also calling 911 at the same time. So this 911 goes, 911, what's your emergency? There's 75 men around our building, and they're shooting at us at Mount Carmel. Tell them there are women and children in here to call it off. At some point, the operators got Lynch on the phone, who I'm assuming is, like, a deputy or a sheriff or some guy. And um, Lynch goes, I hear gunfire. Oh, shit. Hello? Hello? Wayne says, call it off. They're attacking us again. 911. Wayne, 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 listen to me. Cease fire, and they will cease fire. They want to remove their casualties, okay? So you got nine people. You got three people down and one you sure is dead? Are you injured, Wayne? I'm under fire. Okay, I know you're under fire, but are you hurt? This would be me. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that is the best response. (laughs) Not 
like yeah. literally the most me response ever. Oh, so that's, then 911 goes. That's me too. <laughs> Wayne, cease firing. Wayne goes, I have a right to defend myself. He's not wrong. And that's the end of like, that. You're not that's, wrong. That's literally what seems to happen is that like seems what happened is the ATF came in. They had all these legal guns they purchased and they defended themselves. Exactly. So last section, shady fucking shit. And I actually titled it shady shit. So proud of me. Um, three cameras were recording the entire ATF attack. But after the attack, the tapes went missing. What? Of course they did. And by no missing, one found those. You mean probably burned. Yeah, basically. And then the on-scene activity logs from that attack had pages ripped out of it. Convenient. Steph, I'm sorry. Justine, I'm sorry. There's another trigger warning that I forgot about until I just read it. Hi. At least, A, it's preemptive. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm, I'm getting better. Uh, they killed the Davidians dogs as well. What? Not the fucking dogs? What the I'm fuck? Sorry. I'm sorry. Their original plan was to kill the dogs if the dogs attacked them, but in the end- The dogs are going to get in the way! That's just the nature of the dog! Yeah. That's not the dog's fault! They kill all the dogs first, and some of the surviving Davidians said that this is what sparked the retaliation from the Davidians, was you just killed our dogs for no reason. Proud Um, of them. Where's fucking PETA for that shit? I mean... They're always in inappropriate places. This would have been a good time, PETA. What the fuck? <laughs> what, the, what the fuck? Okay, we're going the on. Fuck? Don't worry. This is beautiful. I'm actually incredibly proud now of the people in Waco for defending themselves and their dogs that got... That were heinously... Right, they were like, fuck you. Dogs are some of the most... That would have been me. That is... They're some of the most pure souls. They're, they're equivalent to children. Mm-hmm. So, one of the ATF agents, and I couldn't find the name because I'm sure he does not want to be quoted for this. We but need I'm to fucking find them. the name and like burn the effigy. Oh. So, one of the agents was quoted saying, we are a law enforcement agency. We don't just fire through the walls indiscriminately. Yeah, that's what you that's did. Exactly what the fuck you do. That's exactly what you did, you dumb bucks. You just fired straight through those walls. Like, what? What? Okay, so one of the men who was shot outside the compound was Michael Schroeder. He was shot outside the compound for not complying with ATF orders. His body was left in a ravine where he fell for five days. The fuck? Five fucking days. Yeah, the ravine was only about 300 yards away from the compound, and 11 agents fired at him after claiming that he raised a pistol and would not comply. 11 against one. What? I think I broke stuff. Yep, yep, she's broke. I'm sorry. I told you Waco was a whole thing. No, I just watched a documentary about a, um, a man that had come from a different african country to the united states and he was trapped in a doorway and uh he had come out of his house and they i can't remember why they were questioning him but he was basically a street peddler is what they labeled him and he went to Mm -hmm. go reach for his wallet somebody shouted he had a gun and he had several officers four unload their entire clips into him 
when he was yeah. just reaching for his wallet. And yeah. the mother still gives talks on losing her son because he was very privileged in the country that he had came from. And he gave that all up to come to, come to America and make mm -hmm. his own name. And then he was shot at the hands of officers just for reaching in his back pocket to get his wallet. And they were found yep. not at fault because they seemed remorseful in the trial, even though they didn't pause for half a second to see a square and not a fucking gun come out of this guy's pocket. And it, it just, it just immediately, my mind went to this documentary, like immediately. Like it's fucked. Like even like. It's not okay. Yeah. I, so, this is so somber. I know. This is so somber. I was expecting something a little bit lighter because it's Brandy. And it is so... I'm sorry. This is, this is like, you guys, like, I'll do a podcast and you guys will go, that's not as fucked up as I thought it was going to be. This far exceeds my expectations of fucked up at this point. Just so you know. Just to frame now, me. imagine, I've been listening to Waco books at work all month all during quarantine and like this is what I'm falling asleep to at night this is what I'm working to during the day and everyone's like you good and I'm like yeah totally fine like it's fucked so they did an autopsy on Michael the autopsy showed that there were at least seven bullets left inside his body so seven that weren't through and throughs his body was also found face down in the ravine so if they left it like it fell that to me says his back was to them right and i don't Steph know because i <laughs> she just I took don't... her headphones off and left i, I don't leave. think i know i don't think a body turns at all when it falls so i'm going to go with as long as it does not rotate mid-flight then that's correct. That that would mean his back was to them, and that was an execution. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't surprise me about our government. So, Steph, I'm sorry. There's more. That's okay. I'm I'm here. I did this to you with Mangua. It's fine. A couple of the survivors reported hearing two additional shots after all the police started to walk away from Michael. There were two entry wounds right behind his right ear two inches apart. So after 11 of them shot him, two more stayed. And double tapped his shit. Yeah. No, okay, the idea is to disarm, not murder. You should be uh, aiming for yeah. legs and arms just to incapacitate somebody, then mm -hmm. collect them and take them to the hospital. It should not be an execution. Yeah. Steph, you might want to just take your headphones out. I think this is my or, last thing, though. Or, you know, try to talk them down, and then if they attempt to fire upon you, you know, there's then a difference between one cop who's wearing protective gear possibly getting hit and just being like, oh, he might shoot us. Let's just obliterate him. Mm -hmm. So the bunker where the women and children were, when the tanks busted through the walls, the debris barricaded the door, so they had no chance of escape. And for them to drive the tank through the wall, they had to have seen. Because they had heat-sensing cameras. They could tell where people were. 
and that's where they aimed their this, tanks this at. Was, what was it that got barricaded? The bunker where the women and children were. Yeah, so the that thing would have lit the fuck up. Yep. So they had no chance. And this is why I don't trust our government. I think what's hard in these cases is that these examples aren't indicative of everyone that serves or everyone that's a police officer or everybody that's an FBI agent. Right. I think that what the problem is, is this perceived threat, the use of excessive force, and then a mob mentality to justify Mm -hmm. it. Um, There's a lack of judgment and critical thinking skills that are happening in these situations. Right. You know, there's so many times where it's it's a double-edged sword, right? If you're in a dangerous situation, if you wait too long to act, like why didn't you act sooner? Right? Right. And then that that was the other edge of the sword. So instead of erring on the side of caution and something terrible happening, they just initiated something terrible happening to prevent mm-hmm. this perceived exaggerated threat right to what reconcile their earlier shortcomings mm-hmm. well that, I'll, I'll go ahead finish no that's just that was it but like in conjunction with that it's also the fact that in a situation like this there there were many levels that it went up and there were many different chains of command making decisions here and at mm-hmm. any point in time Somebody else could have said, no, that's not acceptable. We need to do something different than that. Or we're not come up with a better plan at any point in time. That's all just somebody saying that. And it might've been solved a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Boondocks. I am reminded of in this holy day the sad story of Kitty Genovese. All you may remember a long time ago, almost 30 years, this poor soul cried out for help time and time again, but no one answered their calls. Though many saw, no one so much as called the police. They all just watched as Kitty was being stabbed to death in bright daylight. They watched the assailant walk away. And now we must all fear evil men, but there is another kind of evil. One we must fear the most is the indifference of good men. You need one person. Uh One. One. In all of these situations to say, hold the fuck up. Uh One. All it takes. And a lot of people put the blame on Janet Reno. So, but she had she she was given poor information. She was given poor information. She was misled. And yes, but, and she was newly elected into her role. So, when you're new and you're a woman in a place of power like that, mm-hmm, you got something to prove. You have to prove yourself, especially in the 90s, even today. You're being pressured by men to make this decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. Exactly. So I don't, I don't like I, I mean like I I understand how that would play a part. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm not saying I she's could, blameless. No. I could never... Well, I don't even fully blame her. Like, I put it more on the FBI and ATF. Like... Right. It, it was their shit show and fuck up. But um, they used her as the scapegoat. Yeah. Like, all I'm saying... Like, all I was gonna say is, like, I, I could not morally... Yeah. Like, if I was in her position, I would have sooner said, no, no, we're still not doing this, That's, gone against mm-hmm. orders, and lost my position. That's easy for you to say, though, because you're not in that position. You'd be right. surprised, because a lot of people talk, oh, I would have done this, I would have done this. And then when they actually put these people in these situations, they're acting way differently than they, their morals have said that they're going right. to act. It's mm-hmm. very hard to walk in somebody else's shoes and say, oh, I would have done this. It, it, right. You don't know what you're going to do until you're in that position. And, like, as much as, like, they're all to blame, I just, I feel that maybe the FBI took advantage of that with her feeling like she had something to prove and oh, being absolutely. a woman. And they knew it was going to end badly. And they wanted a scapegoat. So for for time's sake, forgive me. I don't want to yeah. torture Sound Maiden, but it's okay. I understand. How do you want to wrap this up? What note do you want to leave this on? Because you've said some very powerful statements. You made some very intelligent observations. So what mm-hmm. do you want to walk away from this one with? What do you want to leave everybody with? Like I don't. Like yes, was David Koresh a bad person? 100%. He was a pedophile. He was a child molester, all of the above. But was killing the. And were the women in the wrong? Maybe. The women that came into the cult that were older, that knew better, and still let their children be sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were in the wrong. But does killing those 22 innocent children make up for those crimes? It's not worth the and price does that, that was make it paid. okay. All right, Dex, what phobia do you have for us for this? Better be good. Listen, I tried. This was actually a rough one to get one for without not knowing a lot about it. But I think I actually did pretty well. Um, So this week we've got anthrophobia, fear of people or society. Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. Good job. You didn't disappoint me. (laughs) Good. I'm sorry I killed everyone. (laughs) I know you weren't expecting this. No, what's what's amazing about you, Brandy? I'm just much. I'm just a lot more disappointed in our country than I was before. I know the disappointment has grown. So I'm gonna warn you. There's a lot of people that I know that don't feel the same way we do right now i know well, we're very sympathetic there's, to the way and that two, you presented it and right. there there's two there's two sides to to every coin there's two sides to every story right but you're entitled to your opinion you know and you've done I, your I, research i have i, I do not agree at all with a lot of the things that were like I don't agree with the stuff David Koresh was doing. I do not at all agree with the mm-hmm. pedophilia, anything like that. I All I am saying is that with what was going on and what had to be dealt with, that was beyond overkill. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. That's all I'm saying on it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that our our government allowed that to happen and was involved in that happening is very disappointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it's time for a non-offensive dare to hopefully lighten the mood. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Did you pick a number or do you want us to pick a number? You guys pick a number. 13. We already picked that one, I think. You did. I don't remember. Episode 6. Hold on. 21. All right. You did not pick that one. You did pick 22. You guys like to pick low numbers, just so you know. All right. Well, my random number generator just picked 7. We did seven. Oh, well, I'm sorry. You guys are bad at picking numbers. I'm 53. All right. We're going to stick with 21 because that was the first one that we had not done yet. Okay. Number 21 is to pay somebody a compliment. Okay. I would prefer it be something not like, I like your shoes. I think you need to honestly look at somebody in a new way and give them... Justine, you're not as gross as you look. What? Not a backhanded compliment? (laughs) What the fuck? I was going to say, do you honestly think she's not going to do something like that? Brandy, the queen of the backhanded compliment. It took me a hot minute to think of something, and that wasn't even very good. Jesus. Speaking of, 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 I don't know why it made me think of it, but when you said uh, backhanded compliment, did I ever tell you guys about the time I was up in Jamestown, New York, and we were driving and we went past a bait shop slash porn store? <laughs> what does that have to do with the backhanded compliment? I don't know. It just made me think of it. It's just fucked up. She thought backwoods, not back. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was it. Like, I, like you said backhand, which led to backwoods. And I was like, oh yeah, that weird bait shop. Gotcha. Oh my god. Okay. So next week, we're hopefully looking at the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. 
And that one is going to be a, so a, a totally different level of fucked up. A different level of fucked Sorry. up. I'm hoping to present it in a lighter way. We're going to see if Steffi can get outside of her, her comfort a bit. We'll see. Um, and it's going to be a two-parter. Yeah. But we're going to try to release both episodes in the same week so you don't have to wait an entire week for part two. We're, we're going to try this. No promises. You, you. On that note... I'm going to go drink some whiskey. I need it. Follow us on TikTok. Oh, yeah. We did fun TikToks. We did super fun TikToks. Well, uh, uh, the underscore macabre underscore academy on TikTok. Right? Yes. Yeah. She, she went underscore happy. Yes. <laughs> I did because otherwise it wanted to abbreviate it into like the M-A-C-D. And I was like, what the fuck is the M-A-C-D? I was like, we are not that. Well, there was an instance where I almost did the underscore Macabre Academy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we got that. It might have worked. Yeah. So we're good. This is this is done. Can we be done now? I'd like to be done. Yeah, no, go get drunk. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> go get go get drunk. I'm gonna go play civilization. I'm going to bed. You look tired. It's bedtime. All right, guys. All right. Have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great night. Whatever it is, you do you. And and bye now. Bye. 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 Needs to be done. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.